0: but it helps put in perspective the things that are difficult in life and the hardships and the hurdles and to realize that those things are actually really pivotal. Those things are really helpful.
1: Welcome to A Congruent Life where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray.
2: We're talking today with Jason Zook, who is launching an interesting new project called Buy My Future. Jason, welcome to A Congruent Life.
0: Thank you, Andy. I am excited to be here. I'm feeling very congruent, as we were just talking before we started this, uh, this actual recording. Uh, feeling good, my friend.
2: That's excellent. And actually, that's why I wanted to have you on the show is to talk about congruence and and reinvention. You're a guy that really personifies reinvention, I think you could say. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the projects that you've been involved with earlier in your career?
0: Yeah. So let's, uh, well, let's, let's time machine all the way back. My first job was selling pagers at a Verizon store. So that'll nice. give the folks who listen a little bit of a, a glimpse into, um, who I was, not an entrepreneur. I mean, I worked like just a normal job. Uh, but yeah, I had a, a bunch of various jobs, went to college, like a lot of people got a degree in graphic design, uh, worked for the man for three and a half years, found out that that was just not for me. Uh, and then started a design company with a friend of mine. We grew that for about a year and a half. And during that time, we had our clients asking us this about 2007, 2008, um, you know, what's going on with social media? And I had no idea. The only reason I had a Facebook account was because my college roommate at the time wanted to meet girls. So I had like 120 very attractive female friends on Facebook, didn't know a single one of them. Um, But I I kind of heard what they were talking about with social media. I checked out these platforms and I said, oh, this is interesting. Uh, You know, maybe I could create some type of like social media advertising through human, you know, means, and that would be me. And I just thought I could do this. I don't know why. I just thought I could. And so I started this company called Iwearyourshirt.com. Uh, I like to joke that twelve people showed up on the first day that I launched it. But that's actually what happened. I only had 12 visitors to the website. Uh, so you can imagine my uh, surprise of how well it didn't do. Uh, it was another thing we were kind of mentioning before we started chatting. So, yeah, but that that company actually did really well. I, I invested heavily in, in time in it and worked really hard and was very consistent um, And for five years, I wore T-shirts for a living, which is a hilarious kind of thing to say, and generate over a million dollars in revenue, which is even more ridiculous to say. Uh, But yeah, you know, talk about reinvention. I mean, I I've had six last names in my life, and you know, for the folks who are listening, who've had one last name your entire life it 's a really weird thing when last names keep changing and through family circumstances, uh, it happened to me three times and the third time, I finally just was like i don 't want you know just a normal last name anymore i 'm a guy who sells his shirt on the internet. like why not sell my last name? That could be crazy and interesting, and so I did that. I sold my last name twice through a website called Buy my Last Name uh, made over a hundred thousand bucks doing it. And man, you know, you, you don't think you can one up yourself when you're wearing t-shirts for a living. You sell your last name, you actually do. So yeah, those are my two big projects. Then I wrote a book about my journey called creativity for sale. And I've done a bunch of stuff over the past two years. Um, been focusing more on kind of like digital products, removing my personal face and name from uh, my businesses because it gets very tiring and very difficult.
2: (laughs) I can imagine just the logistics of dealing with. Passports and driver's licenses and all that must
0: be crazy. Oh man, yeah. I didn't touch the passport actually. I I literally did not change my passport for three years and just said I'm not traveling abroad for three years because I knew I would get like a red flag for you know TSA and whatever, and I did not want to get those white glove searches. So I just said leave the passport alone. Everything else I'll change.
2: So wearing t-shirts for a living—that's a pretty novel concept. How did you ever come up with? that particular idea of a way of generating revenue.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I had heard from these companies that we were working with a design agency who were asking about social media. So I knew that companies were interested and it was multiple companies. So I think when you hear something once, it kind of gives you the thought of, oh, maybe this could be something. But then when I heard it like four or five times, I was like, okay, there's something to this. Um, And so I started looking at these platforms and they're just, you know, this is again, 2007, 2008. They're just A lot of people sitting here talking and they were talking about brands and things and but there were no brands to talk back to them you know and and i don't think necessarily that like marketing and advertising has to be everywhere but i think that there's a conversation because that's what social media is then that seemed like an interesting idea to me so yeah with that and then standing in my closet one day the hardest part of my day was trying to pick out what t-shirt to wear every morning as an entrepreneur i think a lot of people can relate to that uh and i just looked at all these shirts and I, i i kind of cocked my head to the side i'm like I've paid... Money for these shirts, and then I continue to wear them like an idiot and promote these companies for free. What am I doing? You know, and and so I just kind of put this idea together. I could wear a shirt for a company, promote them through these social media channels, and I could just tell their story. You know, I just wanted to just tell their story in an interesting way. Um, people could find out about these these different uh, companies, and I really had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I bought a flip camera for 150 bucks. Uh, I'd never made a video. I, I didn't have a Twitter account, and I just kind of dove in headfirst and learned. As I went, Uh, and it was quite an experience, and it it, you know really worked out. But like I said, a lot of hard work, a lot of consistency, a lot of long days. You know, I ended up working a a a fourteen to sixteen hour day instead of a nine hour day, so uh, it was a very different transition.
2: Well, it's kind of helpful to hear a bit about your journey and. In particular, on this show, I'm always interested in those pivot points, you know, those those key points in your life where you know that something's not working and you need to make a change. And you were describing some of that. You, you know, you said you had sort of a traditional corporate job or whatever, and you, you realized that working for the man was not for you. So how did you go about identifying that and figuring out what your next steps were going
0: to be? I think one of the first thing was actually just listening to my gut. You know, I think so often there's a lot of people can relate to this. You're in a situation where you say, this doesn't feel right. And let's just talk about jobs for right now. But, um, I sat at that job every day and my commute was three minutes. The people I worked with were fantastic. I worked in the sports world and that was fun, but just something felt like I didn't belong. You know, the, the whole idea, the whole thing I had in front of me was climbing the corporate ladder. I don't like regular ladders, Andy. Why why would I want to climb a corporate ladder? Mm. And I just sat there thinking, this is not for me. This is not my path. This is not what I'm meant to do in life. I'm, I'm meant for more. I'm meant for just something better than this. And it wasn't until I picked up Seth Godin's Purple Cow that that book kind of gave me the permission to say, it's okay to be unique and do something different. And I had no idea what that meant, but that was the catalyst. And unfortunately, it came three and a half years after I had already worked for the man for that long. Um, but that was the big tipping point. I kind of you know, had the ability to give myself permission to say, it is okay that I feel this way, and I want to do something with it, and I want to move forward. So that was actually one of the biggest kind of pivot points for me because I was not an entrepreneur growing up. I did not have a lot of entrepreneurial background. Um, I was just kind of an artist. I played a little bit of sports growing up. That was about it. So this was my big moment um, that kind of changed everything for me.
2: Yeah, that's important. And I I think that you're actually really lucky to identify that after three and a half years, because there's so many folks that you hear stories of 10, 20, 30 years, they're stuck in this place and and feel like they're not empowered to take action.
0: Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I had this weird thing about luck. And I feel like I feel like when it comes to plane crashes, yes, we can be lucky, right? You walk away from a plane crash, you're a very lucky person. I think that when we make decisions, and I'm not just saying myself, I think everybody in general... When you make a decision to take that action, to do that thing, it's not, it has nothing to do with luck in my mind. And this is just my opinion, obviously. Um, it has to do with you digging in and saying, I want this thing more than I'm afraid of what I'm about to do. And I just think that that, like, some people have that and some people don't. And for me, what really sparked the big change in this was starting to look to other people who were doing things that I wanted to be doing and trying to deconstruct that. And noticing that really what it came down to, and I've said this, I'm probably going to say it multiple times with you, is hard work and consistency. And it's not about being right place, right time. It's not about, you know, not even necessarily who you know. It's just about really digging in and saying, like, i got to do the the tough thing. i got to do the long hours. i got to put in some extra work that people wouldn't normally do. And that's what I did to get out of the 9-to-5 world. I mean, I worked a full-time job, 9-to-5, and then from about 7 to midnight every night, I worked on this design company with my friend. And we did that for six months. And so for six months, I basically had two full-time jobs and, you know – that to me, that was not lucky, that was not really fun, um, but I knew that if I just dug in, dug my heels in and did it it would it would make it successful so you know i just i don 't know I had this thing where people I think they they get themselves psyched up for okay well, I just need a moment when like I can get lucky, and I think you can create your own look i mean there's there 's a bunch of quotes out there about that, right um just through to putting in the work and through doing the experience and you 're not going to do it right, and I did, definitely didn 't do it right, but yeah, I mean, I do understand what you 're saying, and I want to make sure that that point is 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 validated, but I just also think that so many people can can get out of their own situations if they just take a moment and say. I, this isn't this isn't right. I need to do something about this. I don't need to wait for something to fall in my lap to make it happen.
2: Yeah, that's a really good reminder about that that value of courage. You know, basically saying yes. Maybe I have some fear about making this change, but it's worse for me to stay stuck in this situation than I'm that I'm in currently. Man, I was
0: scared out of my mind. <laughs> you know, and and I think every project that I work on, I'm scared and I have self doubt and I have fear. But again, it just goes back to that, you know, I look at it through the lens of, I just, I want this thing more than I'm going to let those what ifs and those feelings and those those other things dictate my decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, like, that might be a DNA thing, right? Like, maybe I'm born with, like, a little bit more of it, but uh, I don't look to a past full of lots of crazy entrepreneurship things in my life that have led me to where I was. It just... All of a sudden, like I got to this point where I had just had enough and now was three and a half years for me. And, and like you said, maybe that's 20 years for some people. I don't know. I hope it's a lot less than that. Uh, but I think if there's anybody listening to this who deep down in their gut feels I'm not in the right place, I'm not doing the right thing, maybe I'm not in the right relationship – have that hard conversation. You know, take a step forward to get out of that situation on your own because it's not going to happen for you. Um and I think that that's just, you know, I'm sure you've seen this too like people will just email in and be like, "How do I, you know, create a job for myself and do all these things?" Well, just by asking doesn't do anything. You're you're looking for someone to give you a handout or a hand up. You need to just put in the work and do it. And you need to try some things, and you need to read some books, and you need to invest in yourself and I know I feel kind of like I sound like a curmudgeon right now but I, I don't know just the, there's this this whole idea in the internet world that you know anybody can do anything and it's true but you have to do the work like you, you're just not going to get it done in an overnight thing or in a even in a year or whatever, um, it's taken me eight years to get to where I actually do feel like I'm living a congruent life. And it's funny how much I've been using that word congruent, probably subconsciously from emailing with you, because I do feel like I've actually found that point. And it's just now eight years into entrepreneurship that I actually have. Mm, that's great.
2: Uh, those values that you've identified—courage and hard work and consistency—are are so important and so consistent. You know, you hear that from a lot of people that have similar stories to tell. Those are those are definitely common common attributes. Another thing that you hear sometimes in people in these kinds of situations, um, another excuse, if you will, or for not taking action, which really probably is just another form of fear is, well, I don't have the I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the skill. I don't have the, the know how to do whatever. Uh, but you mentioned that you didn't have any background, really, in entrepreneurship before you jumped into this world. <laughs> so how, how how was that for you to to kind of bridge that gap between not really knowing what you're doing and then being able to make some some strides with some traction?
0: Yeah, I mean, let me set the stage for everybody to just envision what I looked like in 2008 when I decided to say I want to get paid to wear T-shirts for a living. No knowledge of social media. Um, I was really only good at using email and Photoshop on my computer. That was it. I never edited a video. I, I don't. I didn't know what marketing or sales was. Um, I had really not done any of that stuff. And yet I said I wanted to build my own business. I wanted to manage all the expenses of it. I wanted to do all the sales. I wanted to do all the video editing. I, I just decided to do all these things. And it was just because I thought... Well, other people are doing it. You know, like I see these people on YouTube who are making a video every day. Uh, that person looks just as smart as I do. They look like they have the same credentials that I do. Um, I can do it. And, and so I just, you know, that permission for myself really was the only thing that I needed. It wasn't an online course. It wasn't going to school. You know, I think people hide behind research and learning. You know, they tell themselves, well, if I just learn a little bit more or if I just do a little bit more research, then I'll be more well-equipped to do this thing. I just said, let me just do that thing and let me figure it out along the way. And I know I'm going to mess up and I'm going to be okay with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Learning is important, but it's so easy to, I think, fall back on that as an excuse for not taking action. And that's something we talk about a lot is this, this sort of balance between creation and consumption. It's really easy to fall so far on the
0: side of consumption you got you have to turn consumption mode off you know i think there's a there's a time and a place for it especially early on uh, you know i remember reading techcrunch every day back in the day cuz i was like oh well, what what are some cool companies i can find and all these things and just over the years what i've really found is that you know the more i produce, the more content I produce, the more I put out into the world, the more that I can filter out, okay, number one, who do I align with that I want to be talking to, and what do I want to write about, and what do I want to share? Okay, let's do more of that because that feels good. And then also, what are the things I'm doing wrong so that I can stop doing them? And and I think that we learn so much more from our negative experiences, which are bad jobs, which are bad relationships, which are projects that we try that fail, which are mistakes that we make. I got into $100,000 in debt trying to keep Iria Shirt afloat by the end of it, and um, and I wouldn't go back and change that, which is I think crazy for some people to hear. Like you wouldn't go back and not have a hundred thousand dollars in debt. No, because I did not know what I was doing running that business. I was making bad decisions. And had I not made those, imagine where I would be now. You know, maybe I'd be like a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt, you know? Like what if I was a million dollars in debt? I'm glad I got out at a hundred thousand and really realized the error of my ways. So Yeah, I just think that, you know, analysis paralysis affects people, you know, over consuming and researching affects people. And I I think that, like you said, it was just a really great point. All of the successful entrepreneurs, all of the really well known people in our space that have done amazing things have not done it through going to a great school and getting a degree. Yeah, maybe that helped them a little bit. But They've done it through experience. They've done it through messing up and learning from their mistakes and trial and error and all that other stuff. So I really feel like looking back for me, that's just been something that, again, eight years uh, is not a huge amount of time, but in the Internet space it kind of is. And I've just learned so much along the way that I feel like I'm really figuring things out nowadays. And that's a long time away from the beginning.
2: So how do we break that cycle of consumption, of getting stuck in consuming and watching what everyone else is doing rather than creating our own?
0: Oh, man, <laughs> that's, the, that's the golden question, right? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. For me, I, I kind of go on a soapbox, and I'm trying not to because I'm feeling very soapboxy today, um, but is getting off of social media. You know, and, and I took, and I, uh, listen, I, I built a business on social media. I was there every single day. Um, you know, I was one of the first million people on Twitter. Woo, that's an exciting statistic. Um, but I also realized that it was just a time suck for me. And and every hour that I was spending on those things was an hour that I was taking away from potentially doing something to feel better about my business, make my business run a bit healthier, um, you know, land another client or, you know, just take some time to myself to really feel good about my life and what I'm doing. And so I think that like one thing that's really easy is just to do little mini detoxes, right? Like just start with a weekend off of social media and maybe just the internet in general. You can survive. I don't know if people know this. You can actually survive without the internet. It's crazy. No. Like life. I know, I know Andy. Hold on to your hat. This is, this is mind blowing stuff. Um, but I took a 30 day detox last year from pretty much almost all the internet. I went, uh, I did a little road trip with my girlfriend. We were living in Florida at the time, and we went up to Asheville, North Carolina, and or South Carolina, I can never remember which car- Carolina that's in. Um, but we stayed in a cabin for like a week, and then we went to some other places, and And I really just took a break from my laptop and from everything, and it wasn't necessarily well-timed. Like I didn't have a lot of money saved up. Uh, I didn't know what I was gonna do for money when I got back. But I just said, I feel like I need a break. And it was the best thing that I have done in such a long time. It helped me really realign my values for my business and for myself. It helped me take a deep look into like my relationship with my girlfriend. And I actually came up with an idea 21 days in that ended up making me $40,000 a couple months later that I would not have come up with that idea had I been heads down doing the work, doing those things. So I think little detoxes from technology are really important. And I think that with anything that you're trying to quit, you have to replace it with something else, you know for me, I, you know, I just basically started saying, okay, the time I'm going to be spending on social media, let me be journaling or let me be like sketching in a notebook or let me be uh, doing something active uh, or reading books, And so I knew that if I just said, "Okay, let me just sit on my couch and stare off into space, it's not going to happen. I have to replace it with something. so that's how I transition out, and i've I've seen it work with other people too. you know, I've convinced other people to take these little detoxes as well, and they've been like, "This is amazing." It was really hard, but it was really helpful.
2: Anytime that you do something that's so far out of the box, like getting paid to wear T-shirts or selling your last name, I'm sure that attracts a whole lot of criticism and judgment. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and how you dealt with that in your own life?
0: Andy, everyone appreciated my crazy ideas and said they were wonderful. No oh, one, nice. No one ever said a mean thing.
2: <laughs> well, I'll take back the question then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he, you know, I I think one of the difficult situations that I grew up with was I moved around a lot as a kid. Um, you know, I was bullied. Like a lot of us were bullied, right? I think that so many of us were bullied when we were growing up. It's kind of just a rite of passage when you go through Schools. Um, and, and so I was the new kid in high school four times. Um, I went to two different colleges. I, you know, kind of goofy looking guy. I'm tall, I have big ears. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I had to deal with as a kid growing up. And I think that just kind of built up some thick skin for me. And so when I started doing crazy things on the internet, I swear this is going to make sense, uh, you know, people would, would, you know, they would lash out and they would say these same things that I heard when I was being bullied as a kid. And it just made me laugh. Because it made me think, wow, these people are still so unhappy with their lives that they're trying to attack somebody else because they feel bad about themselves. This is amazing. I'm like 15 years removed from school, and this is still happening. And and so I just I kind of look at those those negative criticisms and those you know the haterade that people throw at you. And I try and take one step into their life and go, okay, who is this person? You know, and, and social media makes that really easy to do. You know, if someone makes a comment or whatever, you can go look up their name and you go, oh, look, this person, you know, like they have a business that they probably hate or they're, they're very out of shape or whatever. And there's some, there's some self image issues that they're projecting on other people, their comment kind of becomes completely invalid. And for me, I just, I ignore 99% of that stuff. Funny enough, I got an email this morning uh, from someone who was just furious that I was sending them emails. And they subscribed to my emails, which is funny to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And he wrote like swear words and using all caps in his email. And I wrote back in all caps, but really friendly, just because I was just trying to be funny. Uh, But I went to like his Twitter profile, I looked him up, And he's a really unhappy person. Like the stuff that he posts, the things like he, you can just tell that there's a lot of like I think demons that he's dealing with that are getting projected on me because of that. So, you know, I look to those things and I think that also with this criticism that comes along with crazy projects or anything that you're doing is that's other people's fears about them thinking about doing that project. And so if those people, you know, wouldn't do it, then that's okay. And their feedback, again, is not valid because they don't do those things. So, you know, I I kind of just have a really thick skin about it. I look into these people and then I, a lot of times I really, I do one thing, I type out a response to almost every negative criticism, like what I really want to say, and then I just delete it and I just don't post it and I delete their message or I block them or whatever and I go on about my day and I completely forget about it a couple hours later and they move on with their life and everything's completely fine.
2: Sounds like great advice. As we were talking earlier, you said that you feel like you're living very congruently right now that things are lining up and that you're more excited about this project than you've ever been. So, can you maybe kind of as an introduction to what you're up to next, kind of tell us a little bit about how you've gotten to this point and and a little bit about that enthusiasm?
0: Yeah, um oh man, how do I not give you too much detail about the like uh, of how I got to this point? Um so let's, let's go back to 2013 real quick. I was $100,000 in debt. I said, I'm hanging up my last t-shirt. I'm walking away from I rear shirt. I'm, I'm retiring as a professional shirt wearer, Andy, Seeing <laughs> it later. Um, and I, I realized that just so many things were out of alignment, right? My goals, I, I really, I'm not a big fan of goals, but the things that just stuck out in my mind were like, need a million dollars, need to retire by 35, need a Ferrari. Um, and so I said, okay, l- let's just, hold on, let's take a second and look at these stupid goals that it just won't get out of my mind for some reason. Number one, MTB Cribs, you completely ruined my goals. Uh, number two, uh, I don't fit in a Ferrari, I'm too tall, I also can't drive a Ferrari anywhere, it's just ridiculous. Number two, a million dollars, what does that mean? You know like I'm, i I it made a million dollars, but i certainly didn 't have a million dollars in the bank because I had to run the business and I had expenses and again didn 't know what I was doing with money um, so that one didn 't really make sense plus i don 't live a million dollar lifestyle. I live very kind of minimally now i don 't need I, I literally I live off of about thirty six thousand dollars a year, which is crazy for a lot of people to think about, but it 's because i 've completely realigned my values and then the other thing retiring. You know, as I started to think about retirement, and I'm the type of person who goes on vacation and an hour into it, I'm completely bored. Like, I'm just the worst person to go on vacation with. My girlfriend hates it because she's like, go do something else. Like, I want to lay by the pool. Like, what are you doing? Like, go away. Um, But I've realized that you retire from a job you hate. People who love what they do. They don't retire from it. No one goes. You know what, Andy? This job—it's uh, really killing it. Uh, finances are, are really doing well. You know, we're we're in the black. Uh, really loving every part of it. I think I'm just gonna step aside, though. You know, like I said, I don't think it's—I don't think it's for me to be this successful and have this much fun. And so, I, when I started to think about these things, I'm like, okay, those values all suck. Those goals that I have all suck. What what matters to me? And so, you know, I started to tackle my debt uh, because I realized that I didn't need as much money as I thought I did. Um, I started to look at the things that really brought me happiness, which were travel, uh, which was the the control of projects. You know, I reassured my day had been so dictated by other people for so long that I was like, man, I I really like that was unhealthy because I really want to be able to control my day. I want to be able to in the middle of the day go, I'm going to go see a movie. You know, and no one can tell me I can't do that. And I have no one that I have to answer to that I have to be sitting at a computer for. And now I can go do that. So control and flexibility were two of the values that came out for me. And so after those, after that 2013 period, and as I wrote my book, you know, my book was my outlet for a lot of the things that I just couldn't share every day when I was on the internet because I had bad days, I made mistakes, I had failures. But when you're running a business that's very public, how can you possibly talk about that stuff and expect people to pay you? So yeah, it was it was kind of getting those things off of my chest into the book, writing about them was very cathartic and then reestablishing these values of control and flexibility that really kind of set the path for me to get where I am now where every project I look at is through those lenses and that's for me personally. You know, then I think outwardly I really look at I wasn't doing things to make people's lives better. I wasn't doing things to help bring them value in any way. It was all about me, me, me. And so now I'm trying to think, okay, how can I help people think more creatively? How can I help people take take action in their lives, like actually get up off their chair and do something or pick up the purple cow and read it. Uh, and then what's what can I help people do with their businesses that can increase revenue? And so I have like my personal things, and then I have those things for kind of outward facing. And that's where that moment of congruence, I think, has come for me. Um, really long-winded answer to your question, but it kind of took all of that to get there. Uh, and that's kind of how it got there for me.
2: Yeah, that's really illuminating. I, not too long at all. Thanks for for sharing that and giving a little bit of context to that. So, what is it that you're doing next?
0: Uh, yeah, so I am I'm selling my future, Andy. Um, that is actually the truth. Uh, you know, I guess if people have listened in this far, they know the crazy ideas are not short for me. Um, I, over the past two years, as I got out of iReassured, I, I started creating. I wrote my book. I created five online courses. I created two web applications, one called Teachery, that's an online learning platform, and one called Bump Sale that helps people sell their stuff using the iReassured pricing structure. I had created the $1 incremental pricing. And so I have these eight things, um, and I've I've loved the value exchange of them. I create them to solve a problem for people who have asked about things. Those people give me money. My thing solves their problem. We're great, right? Like that feels really nice. But every time I create something new and I'm constantly thinking of new things to create, that cycle of sales, marketing, you know, getting people to squeeze pages and all this stuff, man, I just don't like it at all. And it doesn't feel congruent to me, you know, and and I've really started to realize that. And so this idea that's called buymyfuture.com, simple URL, wasn't taken, shockingly, Um, I'm selling a one-time access to me for a thousand dollars that gets people the previous eight products I've created that are about 2,500 bucks in value. Teachery is about $600 a year itself. I'm guaranteeing six projects over the next two years, two books, two courses, and two web applications. One of each of those will be voted on by the people who buy my future, which is going to be really fun and exciting. And then access to anything I create for the rest of my life. Not just free, because you only pay a thousand dollars once. You get it first. So these people are basically going to be my tight knit community of, of, purchasers of, of, beta testers of, of people that just want to do those things that I just mentioned, be more creative, take action in their life, make more money with their business. And so I want to build like a really solid community. Um, I'm only opening the window to buy my future for two weeks. Number one, cause it feels kind of like movie esque, like you only have two weeks to get Jason's future. Um, and the other thing is because I don't want, I, I actually don't want too many people to buy. I know that sounds weird, But I want to be able to have such great, deep kind of interactions with this community of people who are investing in me for the rest of my life um, that I can really help solve their problems. So, yeah, man, I'm selling my future for a thousand bucks and I'm pretty damn excited about it. It's actually been really illustrative, I think,
2: to kind of watch your journey. You've been very public about how you've been describing. This process of creating this this new project and this new venture through your writings on on Medium in particular. We were talking earlier about how there's this sort of illusion of magical idea occurs, some miracle occurs, and then fame (laughs) and fortune result. So can you talk a little bit maybe about the process that you've undergone in developing this idea and, and making it real in the world?
0: you forgot to mention how our bank accounts are overflowing with money like yes. we we have two like wells fargo calls and they just say you have too much money um yeah the, those things aren't true <laughs> you know as as it turns out for a lot of people who are starting their own thing and and so with with buy my future what i said was i was about 60 days out and i just made the decision that Everyone talks about projects after the fact. You know, they give you this success story, and they tell you about all the wins, and maybe they'll share one or two things they went in along the way that were tough, but that's after the fact, right? You, you have this, like, shiny after picture that you can look at, you know, with these, like, maybe blurry before pictures – And I decided, you know what? No, I am a big fan of authenticity and transparency. I'm going to just, I'm going to break this project down as much as I can. And so I started this 60 day journal with the code name of the project called Project Galaxy on Medium. And I journaled every single day. And I took one week off in the middle because I knew I was going to need a break and to recharge my batteries and to not overextend myself as I've learned about myself over the years. And I basically just tore down all of my self doubts, you know, my what ifs, uh, how I was getting podcast interviews, you know, even like this one, um, how I was working with partners, you know, how I was coming up with the price, the different marketing tactics that I was using. I mean, every step along the way, there really was not much that I didn't share somehow. And I just wanted that process to be something that people who were doing their own thing could read into and go, man, Jason feels this way, and he's launching this big, crazy project, and he's done other crazy projects. It's okay for me to feel this way, too. And I think that that's the moment for me that I've seen with a lot of people already, and that feels really good. And, you know, also, selfishly, it was a marketing tactic. You know, for 60 days, I have people who are investing their their time and energy into reading about this project, and a lot of them were getting excited about it because what I was talking about seemed interesting to them. And I think Buy My Future is a very compelling and unique offer. Um, so that was a lead up to it. So yeah, I I think there's a lot to be said about the grit that goes into launching a project, the the consistency of of work, and all the moving parts that you have to kind of wrangle in and take care of when you're launching any type of project, but let alone one like this that's kind of new and different and unique.
2: Yeah, hard work and consistency definitely pops up again here, doesn't it? <laughs> I also love how unprompted you've so frequently used the words authenticity and congruence throughout our conversation here, because that really is the primary theme of a congruent life is is really kind of digging into those themes and, and sharing those stories. So based on all the stuff that you've learned in, in the crazy projects that you've been involved in throughout your life, what would you say that living authentically or congruently means to you?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um to me as a person, I would say that it's it's having control and flexibility and then really honing in on st- stuff that I want to deliver value to people with. And as I mentioned, that's like the thinking more creatively, the taking action, uh, the making more money with their businesses in a way that they feel happy about and doesn't feel like spammy. Um but I think you as like the royal you, um I think it's just whatever brings you value. And I think we don't get taught in school how do you establish your own personal value system? How do you how do you figure out what your core beliefs are? No, we learn about social studies and chemistry and other stupid crap that we don't need. And it's really unfortunate because I think you, you even touched on this earlier when you said that people don't leave their crappy job after 20 years. It's because no one teaches you how to deal with that type of situation. You either have to have the courage and the drive and the grit to get out of it. Or you just stay in it. And so I think more people, you know, there's there's a couple of great things that I would recommend. Number one is Pamela Slim's book, Body of Work. Mm-hmm. Fantastic book that really helped me. That, that's the book I read in 2013 that kind of helped me start this process of finding my congruent and authentic, you know, life. Um, and then I would also read Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. Uh, that book for me was really interesting. It's a very kind of Zen book, but it helps put in perspective the things that are difficult in life and the hardships and the hurdles and to realize that those things are actually really pivotal. Those things are really helpful. So, um, you know, really kind of looking back on those and seeing those not as super negative things, but as, oh, wow, those actually led to positive things. And without those, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm actually glad that they happened and I can enjoy them. Um, So, yeah, those are some things that I think are tactically what can help people. Um, And I just think more people need to really reassess who they are, what brings them value. Don't look at the values of other people. You know, what really makes you happy as a person and dig into that a little bit more.
2: Yeah, thanks for those suggestions. Uh, Definitely second uh, Pam Slim's work. She was an early guest on A Congruent Life and does fantastic stuff. Definitely recommend her. And thanks for the suggestion of Ryan Holiday as well. I haven't heard of that one, so it'll be cool to check that one out.
0: Nice, yeah, absolutely. And I you know, I was not a reader a couple of years ago, so if people are listening to this and they're like, Oh, but I don't like books. I hated books too. I think I was allergic to them for a while for some reason. Um but now I just I, I pick and choose and I go off of recommendations from friends and uh yeah, those two have been really helpful. So I would definitely recommend them. And the Purple Cow. I don't think the Purple Cow is ever gonna become a book that is old. You know, I think it's just, is always going to have such a great message and maybe you've heard it, but you should actually pick it up and read it because it's an easy read, but it might give you the permission, uh, not you, Andy, but you know, people listening to this, that, that you need to take that next step in whatever that is for you in your life. Totally agree.
2: So how can folks engage with you and find out what you're doing?
0: Yeah, I think the the best thing, I mean, the biggest thing is just to go to buymyfuture.com. Um, even if that's closed, if you if you listen to this and you you know that's after the two week window of September twenty second to October sixth, you'll still be able to find all my information and ways to find me on the internet. And hey, I'm Googleable just like anybody else. Um, you know, Jason Zucker will, will bring you to all the things that I do. But yeah, buy my future uh, is is my thing and and what I'm really focused on going forward. So people can find you as long as they Google the right last name, right? <laughs> I actually Google the wrong one. Let's see what you get. That'll be yeah, fun.
2: There you go. So Jason, is there a final thought that you'd like to leave us with about authenticity?
0: Yeah, I mean I think that it's it's just one of those things that you have to dig in a little bit and do some some uncomfortable work to find it. And then I think as it relates to just, you know, getting further along in that process is is that you don't get what you don't ask for. So whether that's help from somebody, whether that's uh, you know something with your business, whether that's something with a relationship, um, if you don't ask and don't start the conversation, you're not going to get anywhere. And I think that there's just – I've seen a lot of value from not being afraid to ask questions and seeing what comes of it, and that's been a big thing for me. So you don't get what you don't ask for.
2: Well, Jason Zuck, so many good things in this conversation. Uh, lots of great wisdom. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for taking the time to have this conversation, and best of luck with
0: the launch. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
2: I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Jason Zook. The show notes for this episode are at acongruentlife.net slash 62 or acongruentlife.net slash Zook, Z-O-O-K. Thanks again for listening to and supporting A Congruent Life. We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at a congruentlife.net. See you next time.